find Hosea in your copy of the Scripture. Hosea chapter 10. That's one of those tricky ones to find. Of course, you have your major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Then you get into the minor prophets and you'll find Daniel and then you'll find Hosea. So if you can find Daniel, just keep turning one more over and you will come to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 10, it's page 1189 in my Bible. Hosea chapter 10, would you stand for the reading of God's word please? Life change, life change. We're only going to read the one verse, verse 12. He says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Father, I pray that you would give us ears through the power of your Holy Spirit. To not only hear these words, but to do these words. That we would be doers of your word and not hearers only. May it be through your power, through your grace, through your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The effects of the Welch revival... Flamed across the tiny little country of of Wales at the beginning of the 20th century. It even jumped continents. But few remember how it began. The young people at a church in a small town in Wales were meeting. They were studying the scripture and they were earnestly praying that God would do something in their midst. After one particular meeting, a young lady rose to her feet and nervously, but from her heart, she said, Oh, how I love Jesus. Her testimony and their prayers were used by God for His divine purposes and the flames of renewal and revival began to spread. Spiritual fire came down on that meeting. It spread to the whole church. It spread through the town. And as I mentioned a moment ago, it even jumped continents. There's a gentleman by the name of Earl Carnes. He has written a book entitled An Endless Line of Splendor. And he says in the introduction of that book, the church is in need of perennial revival because of recurrent spiritual decline. We read in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, the risen and glorified Christ said to five of the seven churches that there were things that they needed to address in their spiritual lives and in their church. And he said, unless you do, I'm going to judge you. 
For example, to the church at Ephesus, Jesus said, you work hard, you're tireless in your efforts. In fact, you're, you're working so hard and so tireless in your efforts, some of you are literally at the point of exhaustion. And on top of that, you cannot tolerate heretics. You test them out and you expose them. And so Jesus said, well done, church, well done. But I have this against you. You don't love me the way that you used to. And his words to them was a word of repentance. Repent and return to me. He said, if you don't, I'll remove your candlestick, which was the church. And apparently at Ephesus, probably the strongest church in all of Asia Minor, they did not listen to these words. And so indeed, their candlestick was removed. To other churches, Jesus said, you're compromising with the world. You've got to stop that right now. Because I'm looking for a church that is holy. I'm looking for a church that is pure. A church where you can be salt and light. All of those churches are amazing when you study the background of them. At the beginning of a new year like this, I I think of some of these challenges that the Lord gives to His church in the Bible. To Sardis, a a wealthy and a strong and powerful church, the Lord said, you're asleep and you need to wake up. You're not as well off as you think you are. And he gave that warning that was reminiscent of when an army of Alexander the Great had been trying to get up. The the city of uh, Sardis, the old city, was up on a hilltop surrounded by a wall. And there was one way up and one way down. And Alexander's armies were standing down in the valley below and they were wondering how they could get up there and conquer Sardis. At night the soldiers up there would be asleep even. All the people would be asleep. They thought they were safe. One night though there was a man in in Alexander's army. He was watching up top how a soldier dropped his helmet and, and it bounced over the wall and it bounced down and he watched the hidden path that that man took down. Got his helmet, went back up. He didn't know anybody was watching. That night, Alexander's troops went up that way. They got up there to the wall and over the wall, and everybody up there was asleep. Over and over again in Scripture, God calls on His people to love Him, to wake up, to draw near to Him, And you read all the rich admonitions related to that and and they're so powerful. What would Jesus say to the church in America today? What would Jesus say to the church in North Carolina? What would Jesus say to the churches in Charlotte? What would Jesus say to the churches in our Cabarrus County Association? What would Jesus say to us? What would he say to you? What would he say to me? Do you love Jesus? I think you do. Are there sins in your heart that need to be addressed? Are you as passionate for the Lord Jesus as you once were? 
Do you seek him above all? He said if we would seek him above all, he would order everything else in our lives. Do we believe that? What about time in his word? What about time in prayer? What would he say about your heart? Folks, for renewal to take place in your heart and in mind, there's got to be change. As Henry Blackaby said in Experiencing God, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. Every time a people encounter God, there are adjustments that must be made. What adjustments have you made lately? We always want to do something. We just want to jump in and do something. The Nike logo. What's the old Nike logo? Just do it. But that's not the Lord's approach. The Lord says, no, let's don't hurry on that. We'll get around to that. But let's talk about your heart first. Let's talk about your mind. Let's talk about your desires. Let's talk about your sins. Let's talk about your character. I read something Friday that amazed me. It it may be old news, but I, I read it Friday morning. The news reported how Tim Tebow is now engaged to a South African beauty uh, contestant queen that he's been date, dating. She said yes. He made no bones about it that he was going to remain sexually pure until marriage. He was dating another beauty queen contestant a while back. And she broke it off with him because he wouldn't have sex with her. Here's a healthy, nice looking, young American male who would not go to bed with a beautiful woman he was dating. Wow. Amazing character. And now God's brought the right person into his life. Talk about an amazing example for young people and for young men. Uh, There you have it. Character. Your heart. You see, that's got to be first. And that's what Hosea is addressing here. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. These were words that were directed to the northern kingdom just before they fell to Assyria. Remember when Israel became two? Judah and Israel. Israel was the northern kingdom. Jeroboam split off uh, ten tribes. They went up there and Jeroboam did a foolish thing. He set up idols. He set up golden calves of all things. One up in the north country around Dan and one about 12 miles above Jerusalem so the people in the northern kingdom wouldn't go back down to the temple in the southern kingdom and, and worship God there. Because if they went back down there, they might stay. And he didn't want them to do that. So they were idolatrous. They were unfaithful. Outwardly, they were prosperous. But inwardly, God didn't like what he saw. But the good news was they didn't have to stay there. And wherever you are today, you don't have to stay there. Are there things in your heart that aren't right? You don't have to stay where you are. I want you to see first of all this morning from this text. 
that there is a condition to be feared. There is a condition to be feared. What is it? Fallow ground. He says, break up your fallow ground. Folks, a heart that is not tender towards God and the things of God is like fallow ground. The image here is right off of the farm. Soil. It's amazing to me in the Old and the New Testament how many times farming examples are used. The Lord Jesus used a farming example in the parable of the soils. Remember the sower going out to sow the seed and and the seed fell on all kinds of different soil. Only one of them was worthy. Fallow ground is neglected ground. It's unprepared ground. It is ground with weeds in it. Fallow ground is ground that that there was life there at one time. There were things going on. There was a harvest there at one time. But now that ground is just unattended. It's, It's been neglected and it's dormant. And now everything is sort of moved in. My garden spot right now is fallow ground. I didn't have a garden last year. By the way, I didn't have the one, one the year before that either. David Fink came and plowed up my garden spot. And I got extremely busy around planting time. I figured it was too late by the end of time I finally had time. And so it's just laid there dormant. Now you can look at that garden plot. You can tell something is a little bit different. Grass and all has begun to grow there. But you can still tell there's a, a little difference in that and the rest of of the lawn. You know what I'm talking about. It's just been lying there, unprepared, dormant, fallow. And that was their spiritual condition. Through Jeremiah the prophet, God said in chapter 1, verse 16, I will pronounce my judgments on them concerning all their wickedness, whereby they have forsaken me and they've offered sacrifices to other gods and they've worshipped the work of their own hands. And then in Jeremiah chapter 2, Scripture says, Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? You see that? You become what you pursue. They walked after emptiness. They became empty. They did not say, where's the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and a pits, through a land of drought and deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt. I brought you into a fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things, but you came and defiled my land. Even the priests. The priests didn't say, where is the Lord? Verse 9, he says, therefore I'm going to contend with you. And with your sons' sons, I'll contend. Cross to the coastlands of Katim and see. And send to Kadar and observe closely and see. If there's ever been a people that's done anything like this. Has a nation changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've dug out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That was their condition. And let's admit it, oftentimes it's our condition. 
God is comparing human hearts here to fallow ground. Ground that has been neglected. Ground that has been just simply lying dormant. And there's been no harvest. What had they done? Well, first of all, they had neglected God. They'd neglected God. An uncultivated and neglected life is a a spiritual life that is dangerous. Jesus spoke on one occasion about a man who had swept his life clean, but he didn't fill it with the Lord. Guys, if you don't mind, go ahead and change that slide up there. (laughs) Again, they neglected God. But anyway, Jesus Jesus told this story one time about somebody. They'd swept their house clean, but they left it empty. And and, and Jesus said there's a demon demon who went and got other demons, got all his friends together, moved back in because the house was unoccupied. And he said the last state ended up being worse than the first. What's Jesus speaking of there? Now, of course, he's speaking of an unconverted person. Uh, A Christian certainly can't be demon-possessed. We're possessed by the Holy Spirit. But he's talking about Israel. They had swept their land clean after the Babylonian exile. They'd gone into exile because of idolatry. Their house was dirty. They had determined to sweep it clean now. The Pharisees had even grown up during the time between the Testaments when they came back after the exile. The Pharisees had grown up and they were helping make sure that they had kept the land swept clean of of idols and things like that. But guess what? They had not fit. It with the Lord. They were a nation of whitewashed tombs, Jesus told them, as far as their leaders. The, the latter condition ended up worse than the first. Folks, that illustrates an empty heart, and it points out that an empty heart is a dangerous condition. Because something will move in and fill it. Have you noticed that? Hebrews 2 talks about neglect bringing judgment. The writer of Hebrews says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Neglect points out that you don't have to be a rebel against God in in order to be disobedient. All you have to do is do simply nothing. Fallow ground becomes hard ground. And then it grows weeds. The weeds take over. Picture of the human heart. Again, a a human heart will not stay spiritually empty. If you don't put the right things into your mind and heart, you will end up putting the wrong things in. If you're neglecting God and, and neglecting your heart, I want you to understand what a dangerous position that you are in. 
What do you do with your free time? Everybody needs recreation. Everybody needs to unplug. But is that all you do? What do you do when you have a free evening, free afternoon? I'll tell you what I, I do too, what I do too often. Don't you love some of those episodes of Law and Order? How about Blue Bloods? That's a good show. NCIS. Boy, on Netflix, you can just watch one after another, can't you? Think of some of that time. Do you ever cut all that off and get into God's Word and just say, you know what? That two hours I would waste this evening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in Scripture. I'm going to get in prayer. I'm going to read something that is pleasing to the Lord that would help me grow. Or do you just drift? Dormant. And again, like I'm saying, dormant, an empty heart like that, the wrong things start getting piled in. Secondly, related to this, you see that they were like soil that was full of weeds. We're bad mathematicians. I'm convinced of it. Matthew 6, 25 and following, Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or your body, what you're going to put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus went on to say there, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and He'll add all these things to you. But what do we do? We do just the opposite. We seek the things of the world and then we end up worrying about those things. We're anxious about life food, clothing, temporal things. We give so much to the material thinking that'll bring joy. Years ago after she'd built that 14,000 square foot mansion on the beach in, in Malibu, singer and actress Cher commented on her life. She said, I'm growing older. I hate my life. I hate my 50s. You've been there, done that. You've bought the poster. You've been the poster. Well, we haven't, but she's been the poster. She says, then you've got to figure out new and creative ways to stay vital and interesting and and have new dreams. Maybe next time I'll come back as something else. Maybe a cowboy and I'll do better. Well, I got news for share. There is no next time. Scripture says it is appointed unto God once to die and after this the judgment. We put so much focus on the material around us that's temporal. And we're negligent of that part of us that is going to live forever for all of eternity. Folks, there is something to fear. And what there is to fear is that you and I can end up being that way. Fear That you won't develop intimacy with God. Fear that you'll go through life, you'll get to the end of your life, and you will never have really done what you know God's calling you to do. Fear that you'll die before you've discovered abundant life. That is a condition to be feared. 
Secondly, I want you to see that there is a command to be followed. A command to be followed. What is it? Break up the fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground. Begin preparing your heart. Renewal can come in your life, but you've got to prepare yourself. They're not prepared. You've got to prepare your heart. You'll not bring about the spiritual harvest. That's God's work, just like in the book of Acts. It's God's work. God added to his church. God blessed his people. God's the Lord of the harvest, but you've got to prepare. You've got to plow up the fallow ground. James 4 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Meditate on the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you every time you read his word. Engage in intercessory prayer for those around you. Keep notes in your journal of what the Lord's teaching you. And share with other people what He's doing in your life. Has God been dealing with you in some particular area? Maybe some sin. Maybe He's been convicting you uh, about some kind of attitude you know is not right. What about your tongue? Maybe you've engaged in backbiting or gossip or complaining or, or whatever. Maybe with your friends at school or church. Maybe there's some action that you know is not pleasing to the Lord is there a stumbling block in your life something that unless you don't deal with it it's going to hinder you from experiencing renewal what's holding you back are you willing today to begin dealing with that that's what breaking up the fallow ground is all about Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, Though we walk according to the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There's a great need for Christians today to get still before God. To get alone and quiet before God. On a regular basis. And to guard our heart. Jesus warned in Mark chapter 7, You better guard your heart because it's from the heart that come all these things in your life that are not pleasing to God. Are you examining your heart? Are you, are you breaking up the fallow ground? It's not simply enough to have your own little version, own little checklist. Everybody's got their little checklist. Do this, do this, do that, don't do this. Congratulations, I've arrived. We're good at that, aren't we? Reminds me of a joke about a Jewish man, an Indian cleric. And a lawyer traveling together. They got stranded in a storm. They were out in the middle of nowhere. They saw a little farmhouse. They went over there and knocked. The farmer said, I can put two of you up in my house. One of you up in my barn. That's the best that I can do. The Jewish man said, that's okay. I'll take the barn. Let them have the house. So he went out to the barn. The farmer and the... Indian cleric and the lawyer, they were going to sleep. They were about to sleep and all of a sudden he went and answered the door and there's a Jewish man. I can't sleep out there. 
you got a pig. I can't be there with the pig. I'm Jewish. The Indian cleric said, that's okay, I'll go out there. Come on in, take my spot in the house. The Indian cleric went out there. They were all going to sleep. All of a sudden, farmer thought, oh boy. Went to the door, answered the door. Indian cleric said, I can't sleep out there. You got a cow. They're sacred. I can't be around that sleep. The lawyer said, Guys, none of that bothers me. Come on in. I'll go out to the barn. Again, they were about getting to sleep. The farmer thought, I am not believing this. He went to the door and there stood the pig and the cow. Eat this, do this, don't do this, checklist. Folks, that's not what the scripture is talking about when it says break up your phylogram. Your little checklist. He goes on to say here, sow righteousness. Yes, break up the soil, then plant. You've got got to get the crop, you've got to plant the seed. The New Testament points out the seed is what? The Word of God. You plant that and then God brings that spiritual harvest out of your life. I mentioned think a moment ago. Help me break up my fallow ground. But you know what? He didn't didn't plant one thing for me. Can you believe that? They're always asking me, Pastor, what's something we can do for you? You know, a a deacon right up the road from you, if he's going to plow your garden, he needs to plant it, right? (laughs) You can bring me a gallon of blueberries every single day. I eat those things like popcorn. He didn't plant one seed. It matters what you plant. What are you filling your life with? Paul says in Galatians 6, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Are you sowing to the flesh or sowing to the Spirit? Paul says in Romans 8, those who who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Break up the fallow ground, the neglected ground. But put the right seed in. The Word of God. And then you know what he's going to bring about? The fruit of the Spirit. He's going to bring that harvest about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, patience. Against such things there is no law. And then finally here he says, seek the Lord. 
Seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord, he says. They had put their trust in kings and everything else. You know what Israel did every time they needed something, every time they were in trouble? They would run down to Egypt or somewhere like that and they would try to get help from somebody else, another king, another nation. I think of Ahab. He ran over and tried to get help from Assyria, from Tiglath-Pileser III. When, when the king of Israel and the king of Syria were going to knock him off the throne of Judah, put a puppet king there, and they were all going to go to battle against Assyria, he appeals to Assyria themselves for help. Israel was always doing something like that. Who can we appeal to? Who can we trust? And, and what's the Lord saying here? You need to seek me. Are you satisfied with me? Are you satisfied with God? Are you? I hope. He says it's time we seek the Lord. You know, you remember what Isaiah said about that in Isaiah 55? He adds a note of urgency to it. He says, while he may be found. What's what's the implication behind that? You may not always find him. Or you may go through life not seeking him, guess what? And then life is a vapor, it's gone. Urgency. Urgency. And he says, keep on doing this until he comes and rains righteousness on you. Parched ground, fallow ground. You plow it up, you put the right seed in. And what's he say? God does. He rains righteousness on you. I want to invite you this morning... Examine your own heart. Is it fallow? Is it dormant? Is your life without fruit? Remember what Jesus said in John 15? By bearing fruit, what did Jesus say? Abide in me and me in you and you'll bear fruit, much more fruit and finally much fruit. He said, so you will prove to be my disciples. In other words, bearing fruit is evidence that you're really a believer. Examine your heart. Break up the fallow ground. Plant the right seed in there. And then see what God does. I wonder if you would say this morning, honestly, maybe maybe you have avoided doing bad things in your life. Going into a new year, Pastor, I've not done anything bad. But I'm, what I'm saying this morning, that's not good enough. You've left the house empty. You've plowed up the ground. Maybe you've gotten rid of some things, but you've left it dormant. You can't do that. Are you filling your heart and mind with the right things, what God would have? Give your heart to God's Word. Give your heart to the things of God. Seek the Lord and just see what He does in your life. It won't happen overnight. If you, you go home this afternoon, I'm going to do what the preacher said. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to be in the Word and in prayer. And tomorrow morning you get up. Same old, same old. Oh, that didn't work. Doesn't work that way. 
Break up the phallogram as a way of life. Seek the Lord, sow righteousness as a way of life. Be patient and see what God does. Just see what He does. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful invitation. So many beautiful and wonderful invitations in your word. This is certainly one of the greatest. That if we'll break up the fallow ground and plant what you desire us to plant, you will bring about a wonderful harvest. Lord, forgive us that we drift. We allow our lives to be dormant and fallow. I pray that 2019 would be a fresh start for each of us. That we would pull aside a little more from the temporal and seek your heart and your mind. And we'll see how you'll order everything else in our lives in the place that it ought to be in. Lord, breathe renewal in my heart and in the hearts of your people. We pray in Jesus' name.